that song, the statement in that song, Jesus is mine, there's a lot of people who will say that they understand that Jesus is the savior of the world, or Jesus was a historical figure, or that Jesus was uh, just an important person, a religious figure. But that's the most important, the most important statement that any person could make is just not that Jesus was, but that Jesus is mine. And that we have a personal relationship with Christ. And so I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about that this morning. And if you have a Bible, wonderful. If not, the scripture will be on the screen. It's also on the sermon notes that you have today. And I want to speak to you about the greatest gift of God, the gift of Jesus. And I love the giving of gifts at Christmas. And I know that Christmas is not about presents. I'm still trying to convince myself of that. But, you know, like, that's the fun part of Christmas for kids, though, right? So I know there's a lot of parents that are they're pretty serious about things. And they're like, well, I don't, you know, I don't want my, my kids to get too focused on the presents. But I think it's okay. You know, I don't have a Bible verse on that for you this morning, but bring on the presents. Let's have a good time. So, you know, if, if you're offended by the presents, sorry. But uh, I love that, the giving of gifts. And it reminds us that Jesus is the greatest gift of all. And, you know, Christmas is just full of beautiful imagery. The, the, the lights on the tree, the reminder that Jesus is the light of the world. And we're about to... We're about to enter, I hate to bring this up, but December 21st is a couple of days away, the darkest day of the year. But turn on the lights. I love that, that Christmas, the lights are bright. It reminds us that in the darkest of times, Jesus is the light that shines bright. And it's more than a Hallmark greeting card. It's more than a platitude. It's a certainty that I have built my life on, and so have many of you. That Jesus came to be the greatest gift that mankind could ever have or need. So let me read for you and follow along with me probably the most familiar passage in all of the Bible. And it comes from the Gospel of John, and it's John chapter 3 and verse number 16. You've probably, probably just about everyone has heard this before, but if not, if not, listen carefully to what Jesus said. This is Jesus himself speaking. Jesus describes really the purpose why, for which he came in this passage. For God so loved the world that he, what's the word? That he gave. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, there's a couple of more verses, and I'll show them to you in just a minute, but I want to start by focusing in on just a few statements in that simple verse. And I want you to see, first of all, the greatness of the giver. You tell me, who is the, the one doing the giving in the passage? It's God. Now, here it's speaking of God the Father. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God is presented to us in the words of Jesus as this wonderful, magnificent giver 
of a great gift. Now, it's important, we, tr- we teach our children, at least we should teach our children, that when they receive a gift, when they are given a gift, they're supposed to stop and redirect their attention to the giver and say what? Yeah. What do you say? What do you say? What do you say? Now, that simple, that simple um, statement that we always make to our children when they've received a gift, what do you say? What do you say? The importance of that is, um, is see, could, we have someone who needs a little bit of help. If you could help them out, that'd be great. The importance of that gift, that, that, that uh, gratitude for the gift, is because we understand that we don't just automatically deserve to receive, do we? Like, oh, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. No, when we receive a gift, we're always careful to look back at the one who gave the gift. And that is who God is. I don't know what you came in today with as an impression of who God is. There are a lot of perspectives that people have on who God is. Now, the Bible tells us two things, and if you like to take notes, these are, as you've got in your handout, God. I'll give you two words that you can put next to God that sum up how the scriptures define who he is. Because people have a lot of different ideas about that, don't they? Some people say, well, God is in the God is in, the, in nature, or they'll say, I feel God in my heart. Or, but, but what's most important is, what does the Bible say? Who does, who does the Bible say God is? The Bible says that God is two words. On the one side, you could put the word holy. And on the other side, you could put the word love. Let's try those together. The two words, two words to describe who God is. The one word would be what? And the other word would be what? God is both holy and God is both love. You help me out. What does holy mean? What would you say holy means? Yeah, some of you are Bible students. You're like, I know exactly what it means. People would probably throw out words like perfect or um, sinless. It literally means he is set apart. And when we think of God, he is above us. He is greater than us. He is holy. But really, there's only, there's only two words that you can find in the Bible that describe exactly how God is. On the one hand, he's holy. He is different than us. He is greater than us. He is more magnificent than us. He is our creator. But on the other side, he is described as love. So God is both holy and God is love. That's going to be important in just a minute. As I come to the end in a few minutes, that idea that God is both holy and love are going to be very key in just a few minutes. So don't forget that. Now, so God is a great God in that he is holy and he is love. God so loved. Now let's notice this. This is a statement that somebody actually recently told me that they have a little bit of hard time understanding. God so loved the world that he gave his what? Or his who? His only begotten Son. Now, if you know much about the teachings of Scripture and Christianity, you know that God is both Father, Son, and Spirit. Now, someone asked me, well, how can Jesus be the Son of God, but also equal with God? How many of you have ever even wondered that in your, before? You're like half raising your hand, okay? Like, well, well, how could that be? Because we think, well, 
I have a son, but he's not me. So how could the Son of God be equal with God? Remember, God is both holy and what? Love. God is both holy and love, and God has a son. Specifically, he has what kind of son? An only begotten son. Now, that word only begotten is a Greek word, and I won't trouble you with the Greek, but the Bible's translated here from Greek into English. And it's a very, it's a difficult word to translate. It has the idea, only begotten son has the idea of the unique one and only son. Now, there is a sense in which every believer becomes a son or daughter of God, but not in the same way of Jesus, the, as Jesus. The Bible describes Jesus as the unique one and only son. So like, Ethan, but you still haven't answered my question. I didn't, did I? How could he be the son of God, but also equal with God? Remember, God is both holy and what? Love. Well, if God has existed before there was anyone, and God is eternal, how could he be love unless there was an object of love? You see, for all of eternity past, you had God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three in one in perfect love. God creates man and woman as an opportunity to extend that love outward. So to, the, to answer the question, how could he be the son of God and equal with God? It's because whoever your father or mother, so to speak, is, that is the nature that you have. I am the son of a human. That makes me what? It's not, not wasn't a trick question, right? Some of you are like, oh, I don't know, I don't know about that. <laughs> okay, I am the son of a... My father is in the room. I'm pretty sure he's a human being. I wasn't always convinced when I was a teenager, but I'm pretty convinced now. I am the son of a man that makes me what? A man, a human being. This is speaking, the son of God does not have to do with Jesus being actually born. It has to do with what his essence is. He is not a son of humanity. He doesn't share in the, in, the, in the human nature, except through Mary. So he, he is both, actually. I should correct myself. He is both the son of humanity, but at the very core of his nature, he is a son of God. He is the son of God. So by definition, he shares the nature of the Father. This is one of the great mysteries of, of Christianity. One of the great mysteries, but this, the truth, the essence of it is, he is the Son of God, unique Son of God, which means he shares the nature of God, which you or I could never claim. We could never claim to share the nature of God. So Jesus, as both Son of God and equal with God, for all of eternity past, the Father, Son, and Spirit have been two words. They have been holy and love. Holy and love. That's the greatness of God. And you might say, I just still can't completely understand that. If you could completely understand that, then you would be God. By definition, God must be so great that there are some things about him that we cannot understand. Would you not agree at least with that statement? 
if God is God, then there must be some things about Him that we can't completely fathom. But what we are introduced to in John 3.16 is a God who is so great that He loved the world. And so what He did was He gave His Son. Now, I want you to notice, and if you turn over in your notes, you'll see we're on the second point now. We've gone from the greatness of the giver to the simplicity of receiving. The simplicity of receiving. Now, uh, John, can you help me? Can you come here? John's always willing to help. So right here, bud. You can stand right there. I would like to present this gift to you, okay? <laughs> You're welcome, okay? Now, that transaction right there, I want you to just see that transaction. It's not overly complicated, is it? Is this a complicated transaction? I'm going to, just in case you missed it, I'm going to do it one more time. John, <laughs> I, I would like to give this gift to you. Thank you so much. Oh, he added a so much that time. You're welcome so much. Now this time, John, I want you just to stand there. Don't take it. John, I would like to give this gift to you. Now walk away. Did I ask him to do anything that hard? You're done. Thank you, John. Thank you, thank you. I asked him to, I, I, I was just looking to make a simple transaction with John. All I wanted him to do was what? I just wanted him to, all I wanted him to, all I asked him to do was receive the gift. Now, John didn't know I had a gift for him. John wasn't looking for a gift. Now, the wonderful thing about God is he gave when we were not looking for his gift. You see, humanity was in a lot of trouble. Hu humanity is still in a lot of trouble. Just turn on the news. Just look at your social media feed. Just look around, not to hit too close to home, but if we're all honest with ourselves, look at the relationships we have in our own personal lives. We as human beings are in a lot of trouble. And God said, I have a gift for you. God didn't say, I have a religion for you. God didn't say, I, I, I have a lot of expectations from you. What God simply said, now, and I understand that some of those things I said, are, they do come later, they're part of it. But at the core, at the essence of what God offered humanity was a simple gift. But the, it was a simple gift, but it wasn't simple from the standpoint of value. The simple gift that God had for mankind was of magnificent value because that gift was his son. There are a lot of people that I've met who have no problem casually accepting the fact that Jesus came, that he died for our sins, etc., etc. But I want to challenge you, if you're a more, if you are a more casual, more casual believer in Jesus, I want to ask you this question. Why was the gift so extravagant? Why did the Son of God come to a lowly manger? Why did the Son of God live a perfect life? Why was he mocked and ridiculed? Why was he beaten? And why was he nailed to a cross? 
if we were just kind of okay on our own. You see, the magnificence of the gift of Jesus points to our desperate need for that gift. You see, there's simplicity in receiving the gift. Notice in John 3.16, as we move a little bit further through, he gave his only begotten son that, what's that next word, third line down? Anybody. The simplicity of the gift, just like John over there, there was, there was no offense, John, but I just randomly picked you out of the audience, you know, could have been anybody. There's no significance to that. The, the gift that God has, the gift that God has essentially to mankind, it, it's as if right now God would walk across the room and, and I won't do this, I won't go through, but offer it to you and then offer it to you and offer it to you. There's no, to come to Jesus to receive God's gift, you don't have to be an especially significant person. Aren't you glad for that? You don't have to be an especially educated person. You do not have to be an especially religious person. You just have to be a person. Any persons in here? Any people here? You see, because the gift of God is for anyone. It is for whosoever. And then he says this, there is only one way of receiving the gift. You see, John had to reach out his hands and he had to take the gift. He had to take it. If he didn't take it, would he have received it? No. He had to, he had to look at the offer of the gift and he had to receive it. And it's the same thing for each one of you and myself. God has offered us a gift, but we have to make a decision at some point in our life to receive that gift. It's not just dropped off at the door and then walk, God walks away. It's, it's a personal transaction that Jesus is talking about. So what do you do? Aha! That is the question that people have been asking for ages. And religious systems have been designed around this concept. Because what is the gift? Well, the gift, I think we've, we've kind of been uh, hiding it till the big reveal. The gift is what? Everlasting life. A home in heaven. The forgiveness of sins. Everlasting life. So people throughout all of history have been saying, what do I have to do to get what? Everlasting life. What do I have to do to get it? The Bible describes everlasting life as a, hint, hint, as a gift. The Bible describes everlasting life as a gift, but do you know what people do? They say, you know what? Boy, I would really like to know that my sins are forgiven. I would really like to know that I'm going to go to heaven when I die because I've heard about the alternative. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven when I die. And so I need to make sure that I can get there. So do you know what people do? They try to achieve heaven. And they say, and maybe you grew up in a system like this, where they say, okay, we'll count out your prayers. And if you pray enough and go to church enough and put enough money in, or if you're just a good enough person, all of your good deeds will hopefully outweigh your bad deeds. And God will say, okay, you've done enough. You can get into heaven. In the imaginations of many, many American people that have some idea of Christianity is this imagination of a giant scale in heaven, so to speak. 
that as long as I'm a pretty good person, as long as I'm a pretty good person, then I will achieve heaven. But the problem is, is a gift something that you achieve? No, it's something that you, what did you say? It's something that you receive. Jesus, eternal life, is a gift. It is not something that we can achieve through our own efforts. But you say, but Ethan, I feel like I'm a, generally a pretty good person. I feel like I'm generally, I try to do my best. Surely that will get me into heaven. Well, I have to ask you this question. Then why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Have you ever answered that question in your heart? If I could be a good enough person to earn salvation, then why did Jesus have to die? You see, salvation is a gift of eternal life that you have to receive. Jesus paid for the gift. Now, the final point is this. We've seen the greatness of the giver, the simplicity of receiving, and now this is the most important part of the message. I want to talk about the importance of deciding. The importance of deciding. I spoke with someone recently who told me they have family members who are Christians. I'm a Christian friend of theirs. And this person I spoke with recently, somebody I care about, they told me that they are not a Christian yet. They like Christianity. They're interested in it. They could one day see themselves becoming a Christian. But they said they just weren't ready to do that yet. Did they make a decision? That person has made a decision. Now, I pray that it's not their final decision. But there are many people that think that just by not dealing with Jesus, by just ignoring Jesus, and just by not thinking about the end of my life, just by not thinking about it, I don't have to worry about it. But I think we all would agree that delaying a decision is making a decision. You all decided to get up and put your shoes on and come to church today. But if you had stayed home and said, oh, I just don't really want to think about church today, I don't want to think about anything, you would have still made a decision. Passivity is a decision. Neglecting, not receiving the gift as God extends it to you is a decision in and of itself. Now, most people are very familiar with John 3.16. Has anyone ever read to you the two next statements Jesus made in this same conversation? Really important. So here is God with the gift of eternal life extended out to you. Jesus said, you will not perish, but you'll have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to, what's the word? He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to what? To save the world. To save the world. Now that's a positive verse, right? But it's filled with some negative words. What's the first negative word? Condemn. Judge. Guilty. Condemned. And you're like, yeah, but it says 
it says Jesus didn't come to condemn. So, so Jesus doesn't have words of... You're absolutely right. He came to save. But the word save is either the best word you've ever heard or it's the worst word you've ever heard. Do you know why? Because if you accept the gift of salvation, it's wonderful eternal life. But by saying Jesus came to save, he's saying that you and I needed to be saved. Have you ever felt or have you ever encountered someone that said, you've heard this before, Christians talk about being saved, and you're like, I don't need to be saved. I'm okay. Anybody ever thought that way? Don't raise your hand or anything, but you ever thought that way before? Even some maybe before you're a Christian. You said, well, that's offensive to me. That's offensive to me that you would tell me that I need to be saved. Jesus didn't come to condemn. Well, but he came to save. And look what he says in verse 18 now. He that believeth on him is, there it is again, is not what? But he that believeth not, this is the words of Jesus, not Ethan. If it was Ethan's words, you'd get, you, it could be, you know, I would offend you. But it's Jesus' words. I'm going to hide behind the statement of Jesus right now. He that believeth not, didn't receive the gift, won't accept Christ. He that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So help me make sense of this. Let's go to the beginning. God is both what? Holy and what? Love. Here's how the character of God and the gift of salvation all comes together. God is holy. You and I are sinful. We are not holy. We are sinful. You say, well, I'm just not sure I'm sinful. Well, did anyone ever have to sit you down and teach you how to lie? Do you remember that class in school? Anyone ever sit down and teach you how to have wrong thoughts about somebody? Was there a class on that anywhere in your education? All of our religious efforts and education efforts are geared to make people behave better or worse? Better. All of our teaching is, hey, no, don't do that. Do this. You need to make better decisions. Get more education. Be smart. Do better. Why? Because in our natural state, we go the wrong way. The Bible calls that sin. There's a mark, and we miss it. If God is holy, we go our own way. And at the root of it all, if you study the Bible, at the root of sin is my desire to be God of my own life. Now, I can't convince you of that, but I do believe that God speaks to each person's heart to tell us, you know what? You have chosen your own way. You saw the, the sheep and the kids up here. The Bible is full of sheep Im imagery and shepherd imagery, but usually the sheep aren't cute and cuddly like we think of them. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've wandered off. You see, the importance of deciding is because we have already done everything that we deserve to be condemned for. At this point in your life, probably the youngest person in the room is 14 or 15 years old. The oldest person in the room is a few years older than that. 
at this point in your life, this is, this is bad news. I've got, there, there's really good news here, but this is bad news. At this point in our lives, we have all done enough that makes us deserving of condemnation. It makes us deserving of judgment. It makes us deserving of hell. And it doesn't make me happy to say that to you, except in the sense that God is holy, but he is also what? Love. He is holy, and as a holy God, he punishes wrongdoing. He punishes sin. But he said that he is, does not want us to perish. And so, back to John 3.16, if you would, thinking of our great need, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not what? We are on a default path to perishing, but Jesus stepped in. I mean, it's amazing. The, Travis moved the manger, but I'm going to take it back. The, take the manger back. I don't know if it looked like this or not, but the, the manger, do you understand the rescue mission that Jesus went on? I mean, think about that little place in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago where, where the universe was literally, as I imagine it, the universe was just split right down the middle as the Son of God is born in Bethlehem. It's a radical rescue mission for rebellious sinners. That's who I was. I was a sinner. I still am a sinner. But there was a day in my life where I believed what this passage said. There was a day in my life, and in the lives of so many of you, because I know your stories, there was a day in our lives where we understood that we were on our way to perishing and we needed a Savior. And that is why Jesus came. He came to give us eternal life. Have you received the gift? Have you received the gift? You say, okay, how do I do it? It's not by being good. Although I would love for you to be good, I would rather have good neighbors than bad neighbors. It's not by being good. It's not by saying, okay, I'll give money, I'll get baptized, I'll pray the rosary, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll do all these things. None of those things are a gift. The gift is, is, is accepted by simply receiving it. There's a key word in this verse, and if you read, if you have questions, if you're like, boy, Ethan, this is making me think, but I need to hear more. This whole book of John, the word believe is repeated over and over and over and over again. There is one way to receive the gift of God, and it is to say, yes, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that he rose again. My hope is in him. Now, I believe, and so we got to define that word. Believing in Jesus is not the same thing as believing in George Washington. How many believe in George Washington? Okay. It would be more appropriate to say you believe about George Washington. Let me give you another human that you believe in. Anybody taken a flight in the last year? Did you believe in your pilot? You absolutely did. It wasn't just believing some things about him. But when you step on the, tr on the plane, you're putting your certainty and your security in his skills and his abilities. That's what it means to believe in Jesus. It's personal. It's a personal decision to say, you know what? I need to be saved, but I cannot save myself. 
So I'm going to put my soul not in a church, not in my own performance, but I am going to put my soul in the hands of Jesus, my Savior. That his death on the cross paid for my sins. That his resurrection gives me eternal life. My hope is not in myself. It's in me, Jesus, I receive the gift. John, come here. Thanks, man. John is in great danger because he doesn't realize that in this bag is, a, a, is eternal life, believe it or not. And so now the gift is extended. Now we're going to put pause on here, right? Ready? John, I'd like to give you a gift. Pause. Now John has to make a decision. This is what Christianity is all about. It's a personal decision. How many of you want John to take the gift? Unpause. Last time you said thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Good job. Go ahead, sit down, man. Thank you. So I've done my best this morning to explain a little bit about who God is. He is holy and he is love. There's a simple act of receiving eternal life. If God is speaking to your heart right now, I mean, right now, inside your heart, you're like, you know what? I've never felt this way before. God is speaking to your heart and he's saying, I have done everything that needs to be done. I have purchased the gift of salvation with the blood of my son. I want to save you. All I'm waiting for you to do, God says, is receive the gift. That's all you have to do. But if the choice is up to you. God won't make you receive it. He won't automatically drop it on your doorstep. You have to decide today. And this is an opportunity right now for you to decide. Will you receive the gift of eternal life? Or you could walk away. That's up to you. But remember, he that believes, or if you'll allow me, she that believes, is not condemned. But the one who believes not is condemned already. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Because some people, they just want to have a moment to say, you know what, I'll make the decision right now in prayer. Really, there's no prayer that saves anyone's soul. But the Bible does say that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and if you will believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I'd like to give you an opportunity this morning to just whisper a prayer to God. We're all going to bow our heads. We're going to close our eyes. And I would ask everybody just to try to be still in this moment. Because this is the, the opportunity to receive the gift. Again, you don't have to do it in a church service. You can do it anywhere. You can do this in your home. You can do it in the car. It's a personal moment between you and Jesus. But if you are ready to receive the gift, and you are ready to put your faith in Christ, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me right now. Just whisper the words for God to hear. It's a private moment between you and God. Pray something like this. Say, Dear Lord, 
I admit to you that I am a sinner. I admit it. I'm a sinner. But I believe, Jesus, that you died for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe that you rose from the dead. I can't earn my eternal life. I would like to receive your gift. Please save me. Jesus, please save me. I'm trusting in you and you alone. Now let's please keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed for the privacy of the moment. Is there anyone here this morning with no one looking that would say, Ethan, today I made that decision to trust Christ. I did that today. There's nothing to be ashamed of. It's the most exciting thing in the world to receive the gift. Like The greatest moment of my life was when I received Jesus as my Savior. I won't embarrass you. I will not point you out. I won't call out your name. I won't do anything like that. But I would like to privately pray for you. So if you say, Ethan, I prayed that with you today, or maybe you're watching on the live stream as well, and you, you received Christ today, would you just quickly and quietly slip up your hand and put it down so that I can pray for you? Just up and down if you made that decision today. If you're watching on the live stream, send us a private message so we can pray for you, help you grow in your faith. Now, the last thing that I'll say before we go, in fact, we, we can look this way. I'll, I'll just, let me just give you one last thing, and, and then Aaron will come, and the musicians will lead us in a closing song. But let me just share this with you. If you hear the message of Jesus, and you still have questions, you still have questions, our church is here to help people answer those questions. We want you to know that. If you're like, man, I was this close to making that decision today, then find the answers. Don't just walk out and say, wow, that was an interesting spiritual moment. We have books you can read. You could read that book of John that we've been reading through in the, script, in the Bible. Open the Bible. Talk with someone. Send me, a, send me an email in our church email address in the bulletin. Say, hey, I've got some questions about Christianity. We'd love to help. We'd love to answer those questions. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.